Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Thursday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. That's on the AM dial in 106.3 FM as we welcome you wherever or however you are listening here for the next couple of hours, and we hope you can, and we're glad you're with us as we talk sports with you, localizing it when we possibly can, or regionalizing it um, when we possibly can. BMW Des Moines guest list looks like this. We're going to head down to Kansas City. How about those Royals playing exceptionally well? Uh, we will talk to our friend Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star, longtime writer for the Star. Uh, he will join us in about 25 minutes or thereabouts. A lot of ground to cover Jayhawk self-extension uh, Britt Reed the trouble that he's in maybe the organization does a trickle down to the Chiefs uh, and the Red Hot Royals as they uh, win a series against a pretty good baseball team in the Los Angeles Angels uh, of Anaheim the Angels you, get, you got forgot I mixed well you know who I mean the Angels the Angels yes uh, Otani and that team that in LA team. Got that other team in L.A. Uh, so we'll talk to uh, Blair Kirkhoff coming up. We're also in the first hour of the program uh, going to have Todd Stepsis on. He's the head coach of Drake. They'll finish the regular season. Promised we'd have him back on uh, when the final game arrived, and it's uh, we've arrived at that point. You know, pick his brain a little bit on his team. What's it been like playing football um, at this part of the calendar? And again, if you uh, no plans. I don't think it's going to be the warmest weekend, right? I'm not sure you can work out in the yard. At least that's what I'm going to try and sell at home. <laughs> um, uh, but there's football opportunities at Drake Stadium. That's good. Regular season finale. Why not, right? Presbyterian in town. and I know Drake's defense is pretty good. Their offense has been, eh. Yeah. Uh, but we'll that's talk- been the case a lot at the FCS level. Is what, it? What I have seen... And mostly what I've been watching is Missouri Valley Conference football. And, and betting. and Yes, and it goes hand-in-hand hand with North Dakota State and their offensive trouble. Mm-hmm. Not having Trey Lance there. Yeah, a little difference. Pretty isn't impactful. It? Uh, so will we, um, when we do get to the playoffs, which I guess start next week. They do, yes. Will we get TV? Yeah, I believe so. I hope so. Yeah, I would think that we're going to get at least a game a weekend, right? So, man, once may maybe get to the semifinal and the final game. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd be disappointed if we didn't. So anyways, uh, that's the first hour of the program. Of course, we've got a keyword, and we'll invite you to go to kxno.com. Uh, both in the 10 o'clock hour and the 11 o'clock hour, the first one coming up in about 20 minutes or thereabouts. Uh, in the 11 o'clock hour, the NFL's uh, first round of the NFL draft is two weeks from today. So, as we mentioned, we're going to regionalize things. Uh, today, we are going to talk about two of our regional teams. First up will be the Minnesota Vikings, Dane Mazzutani from the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Covers a lot of sports uh, in the Twin Cities, so we'll pick his brain on the Vikings, probably do some wild stuff as well, maybe some twins, as they got swept yesterday in a doubleheader by the Red Hot Red Sox. Yes. They get swept on opening weekend by the Awful Orioles, and then they haven't lost since. Um, so we will uh, talk to Dane Mizutani, and then our friend Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog. He's always uh, animated um, and is willing to, <laughs> you know, tell it like it is with those Bears, and he'll join us as we wrap things up. Well done on your wager last night. You didn't <laughs> you. think uh, that after the no-no that there would be a repeat performance. So I'm guessing that in 
five days. Mm-hmm. What was last night? Wednesday. So Monday night, you'll be betting against Carlos Rodon with complete confidence. I will be. Uh, because it's difficult to fire to follow up a no hitter with another good performance. Boy, we saw one last night, didn't we? What a baseball game! That was so much fun, it just was. so entertaining. And the start of this baseball season has been just, I think, what baseball it's needed. Better, Trent. Yeah, it's been arguments that you have, and that's what makes baseball great. Ken, I know you've heard me say this before, but for people maybe new to our program, hearing us, and thank you for joining us. Right. People ask me all the time, especially in the summer months, when they're out talking to people, how do you talk baseball on the radio? You gotta watch it. Yep. <laughs> There's number one. Right. You have to watch it. But secondly, for me and for this format, I believe baseball is the best thing to talk about because it's all about second guessing. Mm-hmm. That is what makes baseball what it is, is the second guessing. Mm-hmm. Every decision, it is pitch to pitch. It's just not sometimes athleticism that wins out on a basketball floor. It's not just what you have on a football field where physicality can reign supreme. No, this is more the thinking man's game. And with it, the second-guessing game. Talking baseball on the radio, second-guessing those decisions, Mm -hmm. or being able to just go back to what we saw last night. Carlos Rodon, a guy that was left for dead. Yeah, He was outrighted. He signed to be a part of the bullpen. Yes. And relatively speaking, I mean, for us, everybody in the audience, 99.9%, it's a lot of money. But he signed for a really a... You know, a pittance when when you're talking about a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball with with some tenure under his belt. And he went out there. He won the job. Yep. There were many people that thought Lopez should Mm -hmm. have been the number 5 starter. Mm -hmm. And here he is. And just seeing him, listening to him afterwards... What he has gone through. He didn't want to leave the field, Trent. Yeah. He really... And why would you? Soak it in. And he's talking to the White Sox guys and talking to Stone and Benetti, and I'm going to go celebrate now with my teammates. And just seeing what that meant to him, it wasn't planned. It wasn't anything that he seemed absolutely blown away by the moment Mm -hmm. and what he's gone through. A guy that was a huge prospect. This guy was looked at as the next... Eddie Johnson. I mean, just a lefty fireballer. That's what he was looked at in many circles. Injuries, shoulder, elbow, and to have that kind of performance. And and on top of it, to lose it. Oh, the way he did. The perfect game. The perfect game. But still to be able to get there. The play to begin the ninth inning, just on and on and on. That was close. What a night of baseball. No, it really was. Abreu made a hell of a play at first base, stretching out with his leg to uh, to get the force at first, obviously. but yeah, that was a hell of a play, and that was a sharply hit ground ball to end it too, uh, to cap off the night. Uh, Perez, the catcher of all people, just stands in the way and lets the the Indians catcher lets the ball hit him. So there goes the perfect game. And you know, I thought after that, or I wondered after that, please don't let that affect the next couple of batters mm-hmm. because he had the perfecto going right. You've still got a chance to get the no-hitter. You'll be really disappointed in yourself if you let that linger between the ears. That of, of all, Because he was you're kind of laughing at Perez as he went down to first base. Apparently he said uh, afterwards, I can't remember, I watched a couple interviews with Rodon, I think it was maybe with Van Pelt on ESPN, and said he, he said to him, you couldn't get out of the way of that one? Yeah. I mean, get, kind of gave him a chuckle right. as he was making his way down there. Uh, cold night. You're down 8 nothing. I don't think a guy wants to get hit in the top of the foot either. No. no. <laughs> it's not like you're trying to claw back into the game, and this is October. 
That's not one that you'd exactly want to take either. So they had to chuckle with it as he was making his way down there. Trent, I got. A, I thought he got Rodon. I'm referring to. I thought he got stronger uh, as the game went on. Well, I he mean, did. He was throwing heat in the eighth and the ninth inning. The ninth inning, he threw his hardest pitch of the ninth. It was 98, was it? Yeah, yeah. It, they had it 99 up on the gun. I think it was 98.6 officially yeah. as uh, what they had it fired at. The dude. The talent has been there. Mm-hmm. It's never been a talent no, thing. It's been injuries. It's been injuries. Yep. So all of a sudden, the White Sox back end. One through three, White Sox are like excellent, right? Mm-hmm. Pitching wise? Pitching wise. One through three. Is Rodon the three now? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Julio. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Keiko. Yeah. Lance Lynn. Lance who goes Lynn. today. Those are the ones that you feel most confident. Yeah. And if. Rodon all of a sudden becomes that fourth, that competent fourth. You're giving up on Cease. Oh, yeah. I know you have. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost way too much money yeah. on that guy throughout yeah. the years. <laughs> Is it realistic though for a guy at this point in his career, going pushing thirty, that has had so many injuries, that all of a sudden he is, he doesn't have to be a top twenty pitcher, say in the American League. Well, if he's that, that that changes that changes the complexion of this White Sox it, team. It absolutely does. Absolutely does. They're going to be a factor. It's, it's going to be a hell of a race. Mm-hmm. Um, look, the Twins are scuffling a little bit. Barrios, I thought he was cruising along. He was. He, was it the th- two outs in the third? He got in a little bit of trouble, uh-huh. worked his way out of that, and then the fourth inning, it didn't get any better for him. Um, as the Red Sox take two from the Twins yesterday, but that division because look, Cleveland's decent. They are. Plesac is going to that the, the kid you saw pitch last night. Dan Plesak's nephew, mm-hmm. Zach Plesak, he's better than he looked yes. last night. I mean, yes. this is a kid, he didn't get a first inning last night. Boy, oh boy, Yerman Mercedes, that ball that he hit, <laughs> he got shortchanged, Trent. Yeah. 420-something feet is, I think, what they, uh, uh, what they measured. That ball was absolutely tattooed. He, and he admired it. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> I mean, let me, let me dig this little nugget. I wrote it up last night. And ben, Benetti, uh, he mentioned this on the broadcast last night. And, um, 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 three hits or more in four of his first nine games, Mercedes. Three hits or three more. Three hits or more in four of nine games for him this year. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. He's back, was he up, is he back over 500 now? He must be. He fell below. He is right at 500. Right exactly. At 500. Right on the button. Uh, and look, we know he won't stay there, but boy, oh boy, what a start to the season. Um, and we're witnessing out of him. Fun night last night. And you know what the best part about it, at least for me, was? Twins were done. Yep. Cubs had played in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Cardinals had played in the afternoon. Blue Jays had walked it off. Blue in the Jays afternoon. had walked it off with Bobo Shea. You're uh-huh. right. Uh, and I, I would have been forced to go over there a little bit. The Jets had a comfortable lead in the third period. I stuck with the White Sox and Indians for the entire ball game. Yeah, I had it on basically. I think from the fourth inning on, I just didn't even change to anything else. It was just on that whole time and doing other things, putting the kids to bed, go downstairs, get ready for the next day, and look up. Still no hits. I, yeah. I didn't realize at the time it was a perfect game, but you know, saw the score bug out there as they went to a half inning break. There's still a zero there, mm-hmm. and then hop onto it. Oh, it's a perfect game. All yeah. right, and and then you dig in and you really settle in and just watching uh. those moments. My and so Friday night got to see the no hitter from the Padres. Saw I don't know the last two innings I believe of that, and then that. And my wife, who's not a big baseball fan, goes, 
Oh, is this going to happen like every couple of days? <laughs> no, no, no. This is not the way. Than you think? What was it? Is that, what did I hear? Like the three hundred and seventh no hitter or something like that. that? I think I heard that in part of the broadcast. Three hundred and I would in have the guessed, history of the game. I would have guessed higher than that. Yeah, I would have too. I would have too. So that's basically two a year for all intents and purposes, right? I guess yeah. right, right in that range. We've had two in less than uh-huh. a week. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not going to happen very often. Found a, a couple of other notes from that last night. Uh, no hitters in which a single batter reached base by way of hit pitch, hit by pitch. That's got to be a very short list. It has happened six times in baseball history. Of course, Rodon, yeah. Joe Musgrove on Friday night, <laughs> okay. and the four other times, 2015 with Scherzer, Kevin Brown in 1997, Lou Burdett. Was he a Dodger at the time or a Marlin? I think he was a Marlin. Yeah, that would have been, I think, yeah, that 97 year. Lou Burdett, know that yeah, name? Yeah, absolutely do. 1960 and Hooks Wiltsty. You got me there. 1908. You got me there. You know, Six times in baseball history, twice in a week. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> twice in a week, that is wild. Uh, it's one of the things that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. one of the things you love about the game. You know, the last two White Sox no-hitters, I remember, and there might have been more, um... Mark Burley's. Oh, absolutely. With the local tie. Yeah. I mean, the the late Eric Cooper, mm-hmm. the one of the Des Moines umps, was behind the plate for both of them. Uh, both of Burley's no-nos, Eric Cooper, was behind the plate. Um, and I think they were both in Chicago. I think they were both at, uh, on the south side. Anyways. The Burley one was against the Rays. And yes, there's Eric Cooper behind mm-hmm. the plate. Phil Humber. He had one. He had yep, in 2012. Yep. He was uh, met, and he was part of the Johan Santana and, and deal. He's out of the, he's out of baseball. Oh, Has yeah. been for a while. Never worked for yeah. him. That was a perfect game. In fact, where was Bur- what When was Burley's other one? Burley's uh, 2007 was his first with Cooper behind the plate. Yeah. That one was at U.S. Cellular. Yeah. Um, and it was the first no hitter at U.S. Cellular Field that he did it two years later in July. With Cooper behind the plate, that was the perfect game and the 18th perfect game in MLB history. Giolito last year had one, which remember that one. And then going back, Wilson Alvarez in '91. Mm. I I think I have a memory of that one, but then going back after that, absolutely no. How about a combined no hitter in '76, Blue Moon Odom Jeez. and Francisco Barrios. The two that combined for that one. Interesting. Well, good stuff out of the White Sox. Fun team to watch. Great, great broadcast to listen to. Mm-hmm. Benetti and Stone are terrific. Did you see Richard Deitch? Sports no, media. I did not. He tweeted last night, I don't listen or watch many White Sox games, uh-huh. but this crew is as good as you're going yeah, to find in Major League I Baseball. I saw a lot of that from the Jimmy Train as the world, another sports mm-hmm. media guy. Those kind of people that... Admittedly, don't watch a lot of White Sox baseball. They said, boy, we're lucky here. Yes. We have a lot of really good crews in the Midwest and our regional teams, Uh if you will. And uh, did you hear Casper's call on the radio side? I'll see if I can get that up a little later in the program. Yeah, I bet it's good. It is. I bet he is good. Yes, absolutely is. So, a fun night last night watching baseball. Uh, Iowa State got some news late in the afternoon yesterday. Have you seen Lipsy play? I have, yeah. I did his game. You must in, have done the semifinal. Yes, against right. Waukee, yeah. where Waukee just ran past Right, they him. were overmatched, but still. Mm-hmm. How did how did Lipsy look in that game? Do you remember against that competition? He got in foul trouble, but he looked like he belonged. Uh-huh. And seeing him early in his career, before the injury... It's coming back, the athleticism, the bounce, that those mm-hmm. kind of things. He's so talented. And I think this is this is a perfect building block kind of guy. Taman Lipsy, 
40 years ago, many people believe could have been maybe not a one and done, but perhaps a two and done kind of guy. Really? He was considered a top 20 player nationally in his class, and the injuries derailed that, coupled with coming back from an injury last year. Well, of course, we were in a pandemic. So (laughs) I thought that was watching him at the time and talking to some people I know in the scouting business that seemed to tick high, but a really good player and a, a building block player. Thinking of him and Hunter playing together in that backcourt, Lipsy will guard you. He will defend. He will do everything you want. The exact same things we're hearing about Tyrese Hunter is he's going to guard you. He's going to get you in your right stuff. You put those two guys in the backcourt together for two, three years, that's the way you start your basketball program. I think this is a perfect fit for him, and more importantly, for Cyclone fans, a perfect fit for this basketball program. Well, and the kid program. stays home, too, which yeah. I think resonates a lot. It does. Uh, and good for TJ and the and the staff that uh, made him a priority, and Lipsy mentioned that uh, yesterday. Now, I heard, uh, I think it was Channel 13, reported that he's not going to play football this fall. That it's that he's now he's a he's a one sport athlete. Mm-hmm. He's going to play uh, obviously high school basketball uh, once we get to that in November. But football is um, he's finished with football. Good move, bad move, disappointing. Should he because of what he's gone through injury wise? I, I think it's he's fun to watch on the football field too. But Ames doesn't have the offensive line of, of a mm-hmm. Dowling. Sure, that's I think a piece of it too. Going through some coaching staff changes there, what they're doing on the football field. I get it. I completely understand it from him. And I understand it from Iowa State basketball's perspective, too, saying, you know what? You've already had an injury. Let's try to get you healthy and get you going here. I get it there. I never am upset when kids want to play multiple sports, but this one, you certainly understand. Well, I think the injuries played a role in it as well. So if if they can close this class, because now they've got, what, two left? I think two left. And well, they have two left for the upcoming season, right? Right, yeah. yeah. Lipsy's part of the next class, right? But but two scholarships left for this one. Mm-hmm. Fletcher from Kentucky, yes, is a kid that uh, you read a lot about, and he was a four star coming out of high school. He was, and didn't for whatever reason saw a very uh, limited playing time in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And Michael Swain, over the last couple of weeks, has mentioned a kid whose name is hard to pronounce from Kansas. Um, yes. It starts with an E, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, a point guard? Uh, I don't know what... I, he's a guard. A guard, for, yeah. A norm, a, I'm guessing. Uh, and a, I'm guessing. Yeah. I don't know how to say it. Okay. But... Point Those D, are the two. Yeah. Kid from Kansas, who is good enough that Kansas said, yep, we'd love to have you. And, likewise, Kentucky. I know that kid's name is Cameron Fletcher. Yes. I don't know if they'll get one of them, both of them, or none of them. But those... According to Michael Swain, look as though they might be the two remaining. What? How did Swain call them? Big fish? Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are the big fish that they're going after. I mean, can you imagine if they get both of them? Well, here's my question on Fletcher. You see, great prospect in high school, mm-hmm. four star coming out of high school, St. Louis kid. All yep, right, connections yep. to the Midwest makes sense. Why did he? Average one point one rebound a game. It's a great question. In the worst Kentucky team in in, in a long time. In a long, yeah. long time. Yeah. So, it, was it something with him and Cal, or I, I don't know? Did the scouts just miss on him? Can he, you not play? Boy, it's it's it's. I mean, I mean, we've seen guys get that many stars beside their name, and mm-hmm. they don't pan out. But um, I, I I don't know. 
Kentucky wanted him. Right. Yeah. He, but they weren't alone. It wasn't a fallback or anything right. like that. Yeah, this this was a big time, big time player. Tristan Unaruna. That's it. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Is the uh the Kansas. And he's not from the States. He's not. He is from oh, I have no idea. I know he's not he's not an American. Yes. You're right though. Yeah. Came from across the pond somewhere. And uh he's considered it at high school level. He was a small forward prospect, six nine. And okay. another one didn't play a whole lot, but He's from the Netherlands. That's what it okay. is. He's a Dutch. A well, Dutchman. F- fingers crossed that uh, TJ and the crew, um, you know, get one of them. And tr- tr- I think where we're trending, Trent, I- I'm not really, I don't know what they're going to look like together on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure we can sit here and say that the offer's not going to happen again. Right. Right? Yeah. They're going to win some games. There they're was going too much to... talent for that team to be over last year. Well, but, I agree. They're, that team should not. Not, not saying been. they should have gone five hundred. No, 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 no. By any means, but they should have you won a couple of basketball games. You shouldn't be two and twenty-two games. ever right. at any power. Sure. Baylor, did they go winless the year that they finally the, got to play again? I think that they did, and that was what two thousand and five. It was something like that. It was Drew's. Remember, first year. they could only play conference basketball. Right. They couldn't play non-con games. Right, and. I want to say now that one yes you go over in the conference uh-huh. sure that makes sense well you're coming off a teammate murdering another teammate and your right. coach covering up for it so yeah that's probably that's a little difficult yeah. to be able to overcome even that year they went four and thirteen mm-hmm. they went four and thirteen that year with Scott Drew at the helm hmm. wow we will uh, take a time out before we do that it's time for that keyword Blair Kirkoff. Kansas City star uh, coming up. We will talk with him a number of issues. Boy, Britt Reed's in trouble, and I wonder if the, this trickles, if this flows back to the Chiefs. Because where was he? Where was he doing his drinking? Wait, with the coaching staff, right? right? They were preparing for a Super Bowl. That was was it Super Bowl week or the week before? No, it was Super Bowl week. Jesus, it was right before they, they before they left it for Tampa, and they already would have been in Tampa if it was a if it was year. a normal year. Yeah, it would have been. Yes, you're 100% right. All right, Blair Kirkhoff coming up right now. However, it is time for another $1,000 home run. Uh, enter the keyword stock. Stock at kxno.com for your chance to win $1,000. Stock at kxno.com. Once you log on, a drop box. A drop-down box will appear, whether you want it to or not. It'll just be right there for you. Enter stock. That's your chance to win $1,000. We had our first winner in the building yesterday, uh, a woman from Windsor Heights, one on 1040 News Radio, 1040 WHO. We'd love to have one here on KXNO, and hopefully we will, and maybe by entering stock at KXNO.com, it could be you. Blair Kirkhoff, next. Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 on the AM dial, 106. Items only. Show. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. Salvi throws down to third. What a way to end the game. Indeed it was. Welcome back. 10.30 on a Thursday. Miller and Condon, that from Tuesday night. A ball that looked like it was going to go all the way to the Royals' dugout. Uh, But they caught a break there, and Salvi picks it up and guns 
The ball down to third gets Fletcher, who was uh, wandering a little too far off third base. Game over. Royals win. They followed it up yesterday. Getaway day with another win. And here come the Toronto Blue Jays tonight. And here comes... Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star. Just two teams this year haven't lost a series, the Royals and the Dodgers. Is that a, well, they belong in the same sentence. Hello, Blair <laughs> Kirkhoff. Trent and Ken, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. They, they both wear blue. That's, yes. that's the other thing. So. Payroll a little yeah, different. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to see, right? Because um, you know, prior to the season, we thought that it's going to be the Twins and the White Sox, and they would open up some daylight. And they may well very do that before it comes to an end. Cleveland's going to hang around. But it's nice to see that this rebuild uh, for the Royals starting to pay off after the you know the back-to-back World Series appearances culminating with the championship and then had to pay a price for that. But it seems, Blair, that are they ahead of schedule or did we see this coming? Yeah, it's a, a little early, but, um, you know, for a little 10-game sample, I, I, I've liked what I've seen for the most part. One of the one of the more encouraging signs for the Royals is, for the most part, their starting pitching hasn't been good. It, it, it was really good the last couple of days, but before that, um, not, not very good. Um, they're the middle-of-the-order hitters, um, you know, Jorge Soler and Salvador Perez and Carlos Santana got off to a slow start. So you, know, you point to a couple, a couple of things like that were the type of things that would have absolutely doomed the Royals out of the gate in previous years. They'd, they'd already be one and nine and, mm-hmm. and seven games out, and people would be looking at the promotion schedule to see when they <laughs> wanted to go to games this summer. And so those things have happened, and yet there's enough other things going on with them that suggests that you know they they can you know they, they, they can survive um, you know little little problems elsewhere. So bullpen's been good, bottom of the order has been good, but Fairfield's been good. So um, I, I think the, the the encouraging sign for the Royals is there's some depth on this team and uh, and some talent and you know in, in, in enough places that they feel like I don't know if compete for a playoff spot is there for them yet, but at least approach 500 and maybe exceed the expectations of of the you know the win the victory totals that were in the low 70s for them played that sal perez highlight from the other night and uh, what a way to end the ball game as ken said this guy part of the championship team part of the world series run i thought they had run him into the ground but mm-hmm. here he is still playing at an incredibly high level patrick mahomes i'm sure kind of runs the city there but how beloved and how important is Sal Perez to the Royals and the continued rebuild going forward? In so in so many ways, he's important. Not just on the field, and his performance on the field has been fantastic for the last couple of seasons. He was the Silver Slugger winner at catcher in the American League last year. He had one of his, you know, it's certainly a, an, an abbreviated season for everybody, and especially for him. I. I don't even think he appeared in two thirds of the sixty games that the Royals played, but in the games that he did play, he was he was good enough to win the Silver Slugger, and you know he's carrying that hot bat. And he was eight for twelve in this Angel series, so he's uh, he's been terrific at the plate. I think what's happened, one of the things that's happened for him this year is it's the influence of Carlos Santana, mm-hmm. who you know is probably certainly past his prime as a as, as an effective offensive player, but he's still takes a lot of walks and, and, and has great plate appearances. And Salvador Perez has been a hero for the Royals, you know, with a wild card 
walk-off win in 2014, and he was the World Series MVP in 2015. But he's one of the more undisciplined hitters throughout his career, you know, the roles have had. But he, he's taking more pitches now, seeing more pitches, and being more selective at the plate, and that's that's driven up his batting average. So that, it's been really positive to see. And as you saw last uh, the other the other day, and, and we played on the clip there, his defense hasn't he hasn't missed a step there. That was such an alert play to um, you know to get the pick off at third to end the game. That's uh, uh, that was a big win for the Royals. That, that, that game was about to slip away from them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Greg Holland was in the second inning of the, you know, of his appearance and looked like he was running out of steam a little bit, and and that ended the game for the Royals. Uh, Blair, the Angels were in town. I don't think Otani pitched, but he certainly hit that that home run. He hit what was it Tuesday night? I think it was just absolutely hit it a mile. Uh, there's a lot of folks that are starting to say that he that Mike Trout might not even be the best player on his own team, let alone the best player in baseball anymore. I think we tap the brakes a little bit because he's still incredibly gifted. But point being, Otani, if he can be healthy, healthy, what he could mean to this game considering he both pitches and he can hit the ball. Uh, did uh, What were your thoughts on Otani's series in Kansas City? We've never seen anything like him, all right? Not in our lifetime we have I haven't. don't think I, so. I'm just uh, – he's draw-jopping good, good. And, you know, and so it's – so, yeah, he what was that? That Sunday night game against the White Sox, he – you know, he's, he's pitching and he, he goes over 100 miles an hour with his fastball and he has an exit below of, uh, like, 113 yeah. on one of the one of the balls he hits. And and what I didn't realize was just how fast he was uh, on the base path. The guy's a, you know, he he's a freak. He's a total freak. And it got me wondering about, you know, what are the other freak athletes that we've seen in in our lives? And um, it, it, not many of them. I think Bo Jackson was something yep. of a of an athletic freak. But how many others can you mm-hmm. name that are just, you know, they're, they're just ridiculous. I think Barry Bonds was 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 kind of a was a freak hitter. It's too bad he. You know, he felt he needed the steroids mm-hmm. to, you know, to enhance his power because I think he could have been a just a, you know, the greatest baseball, greatest hitter of all time. Uh, considered that without without the steroids, but just people who who just seem so, uh, the game comes so easily for them. And uh, and Otani may be on that on that course. I I like that Joe Madden, the, the Angels manager, is kind of taking him out of the bubble wrap and letting them play. You know, and not not sitting them after. You know, after he pitches, and and uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I I'm I'm really just kind of excited about what he can be this year in baseball. And you know, can you imagine a guy with, you know, uh, running up strikeout numbers and and hitting the home runs and mm. just Babe Ruthing it this season? That that would be incredible. Let's jump over from baseball to some basketball and Kansas basketball specifically. Looking at what they've done, starting uh, with our backyard, Joseph Yesifu making his way mm-hmm. from Drake down there, adding another transfer, Cam Martin, a kid that played D2 basketball, big-time score. I think they're bringing in, what, four high school prospects that are in the uh, in the running right now for Ty Ty Washington, who is committed to Creighton and reopened up his recruiting services. A big roster turnover for Kansas as we still await what's going to happen with the NCAA Fill us in. What's the latest on Kansas and to look forward with Bill Self now in his lifetime contract? Well, after the after Kansas got just absolutely obliterated in the NCAA tournament by by USC. I mean, Drake played USC much better than Kansas yep. did. Um, 
you know, Bill Self said after the game, it was, you know, he, Bill Self is great at, at, at press conferences, and you know, he'll he'll he'll, you know, he'll tell you the truth. And he said after that game that they just need to be, you know, if, if they want to get back to a position where they feel like they can contend for national championships, they've got to be more athletic, a little bit bigger, a little bit more athletic, and uh, uh, and and so that that was basically his way of saying that. Their their current roster just wasn't up to up to Kansas standards, and they've got to start changing that. And that's just just not by adding people, but also subtracting people. And 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 of course, the transfer portal has has made that easier uh, for um, for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's that's happening in, in throughout college basketball, and it's happening at KU now. I suspect there'll be you know half the roster will be will be different, um, but they. You know, I think in the end they're probably going to get. Uh, you know, they, they they're going to have David McCormick back next year for sure to build around. But um, you know, it, it, a couple of players who are not in the in the transfer portal but have entered the NBA draft are, um, you know, Ochai Abaji and and uh, Jalen Wilson. I don't think either one of them are going to get the news that they're wanting to hear about their prospects in the NBA draft. So I wouldn't be surprised if both of those came back next season, and that would give Kansas a nice. Um, you know, a, a nice core to build around. I think yes, Fu is. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that yep. right. Um, you know, I, I I think he's a you know absolutely a, a candidate to start for for Kansas next year. And uh, and uh, and Dewan Harris, uh, the other point guard. You, I think Kansas has the ability to, if especially if Wilson and Obaji are back next year, to be better than they were this year. And they finished second to in the league to the. You know, to the to the NCAA champion. So, um, yeah, the, 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 look, the prospect of uh, of NCAA punishment hangs over the program. I think KU is going to hear something by end of summer or into early fall. And I know just from the statements Kansas has made regarding this inc- this this situation that they are going to fight tooth and nail uh, with, uh, over it. And uh, um, and, and look, there's no they're, they're going through the, the independent review process and not the NCAA enforcement process. Um, so there's no appealing the decision that gets handed to, handed down to Kansas. Uh, but Kansas has talked about uh, taking other measures to uh, to combat it when when it does come down, and that'll be interesting to see. I mean, it could be you know kind of landmark in in terms of. Uh, uh, where you know what the power of the NCAA is, and 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 the way Kansas wants to defend itself. Uh, Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star. Blair, two or three minutes for left with we got we we'll get to the Chiefs in a second. Just as many times as uh, you've um, been in Hilton Coliseum and you've seen it on, uh, when it's been at its best, and obviously no building was like that uh, during this past winter. But now T.J. Otzelberger's at the helm, uh, seemingly bringing in um, the necessary changes to the roster to get Iowa State at least headed back. Not going to happen overnight, as we all know, but. Um, just your thoughts on T.J. Otzelberger and watching Iowa State go winless in the Big 12, something I'm assuming you never thought you'd see happen. No, I didn't. Absolutely not. And 2-22 two, two and 22 overall are just uh, mind-blowing. I, I think if it had been a little better, there might not have been the coaching change. I know how much you know, Jamie Pollard doesn't want to, didn't want to make that change, but he had to. Um, and and, and I, think, I think it's the right call. Uh, the, it, it, with, with TJ and, mm-hmm. and 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 we'll see. I, 
look, the, the fans will come back. Just give them, you know, give, give them a product that they can really be happy about and cheer for, and, and they'll, they'll they'll be back, and it'll return to being the best uh, the best setting in, in college basketball. Just, um, but but it is going to take some time. Um, it, I, I, it's fascinating to me what's going on with the Big Twelve. The you know the center of gravity in this league has definitely moved south, right? I mean, yeah. with Texas Tech being in the national championship game uh, two years, three years ago, and Baylor winning it this year, and uh, and now Texas hiring Chris Beard away from from the Red Raiders, uh, it's it's uh, you know it, it, it's moving in that direction. And Boynton at, at Oklahoma State's got mm-hmm. you know got that program up and running. We'll see what uh, what happens at Oklahoma with with Porter Moser as the the new coach, uh, but it, it it I I know from a like. From a college, from a football perspective, I think one of the reasons Kansas has just been downtrodden for as long as it has is because the league is always so good, and you have to play everybody, and it's just so competitive. And I think we're learning that in basketball as well. That when you're down toward the bottom, you know who's gonna who are you gonna pass, right? right? Who's that? That's that's the tough thing. Yeah. Um, who who? No nobody. These are all so well coached and. You know, Kansas State, TCU. You look at some of the, the, the you know the ones that might be obvious candidates. They they think they've really improved in this off season. So it's it's going to be tough for Iowa State to get back. Yep, if you're going to go up, that means somebody's going to come down. And who is yep. that? Uh, Blair, uh, last thing for me, uh, the Britt Reed stuff. Uh, obviously, a, a, a bad story. Uh, and and now apparently, I mean, he was legally I means he was incapacitated, right, with the number yep. that he blew. Where did he? Where where did he? You know, imbibe and and um, how much trouble is the organization? in, do you think what's the latest? Can you update us? Well, that's the big question: is where you know he you know he he obviously blew way over the legal limit and and, and admitted to the police uh, at the scene of the crime that he had been you know he had just been drinking at a couple of drinks and he wasn't at a restaurant or a bar he was at the at the facility and mm-hmm. you know it's and he this happened less you know less than a mile uh in driving distance and probably no more than two, two or three hundred yards as the crow flies from from where he you know got into his car mm-hmm. you know on the exit ramp getting on the interstate so it's a it's a bad bad story it was it, it it's horrible right for the five-year-old girl whose life has changed because of you know the 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 accident. Uh, you know she's going to be impaired for probably her entire life, and Britt Reed is facing some serious jail time over this. There are a lot of questions, a lot of questions to be asked, and and the uh, and, and the Chiefs. You know now that the draft is upon us, you know Chiefs are going to start availing themselves, right? Andy Reid's supposed to speak to the media on Monday, and um, and we'll get maybe uh, the questions will be asked. We'll see if we get answers. From the Chiefs beyond the uh, you know uh, prayers and um, you know thoughts and prayers type of you know statements that we've gotten from them, but it is bad, and I, I don't know what the NFL can do. But one thing that listen, uh, we, we don't know, and we've never had to kind of ask this before: is does the NFL have a policy about alcohol or or a, a beer tap or whatever in, in a team facility? Um, I, I know it, there was a time when that was commonplace. When I started covering sports in Kansas City many, many years ago, there was a beer tap in the press room at, yeah. uh, at the Royal Stadium, at Kauffman Stadium now. Mm-hmm. They certainly took that out after a while. But if there's that, if it's available inside the, the facility, inside the, you know, the, the coaches' offices, then that's, um, I think we're looking at a, uh, you know, 
some major punishment coming the Chiefs' way. Uh, Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star. Blair, love catching up with you. Already look forward to our next visit. We appreciate what you do for us, Blair Kirkhoff. Be well. Great talking to you guys. Good to talk to you, Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star. You know, it's funny he mentions that because one of the things that put it over the top when I was auditioning at Prairie Meadows mm-hmm. when I came here in 1989, um, I walked out of my office at the end of the night, and there's a there's a um, a pop machine, a, a pop machine, mm-hmm. right? Coke, root beer, Miller, Miller Lite. You just pressed it, and they just kept coming. As wow. many as you wanted. Don't put any money into it. Now, that didn't last long, uh-huh. but I do remember those days. I remember uh, hearing Rick Brown talking about back in the day, they'd go for a press conference with Hayden and the old SID. And I, he, he escaped. Phil, Hat- he, Phil Hattie? Yes. Yep. And he'd hand out beers for everybody that was the, that's what you did. You had yep. a beer. While you were asking the questions after the game. What a different era, huh? <laughs> Indeed it is. Uh, Todd Steps is Drake's head football coach. Joins Trent and I next. Their final home game is it's this Saturday at Drake Stadium. If you got no plans, you want to get outside, want to see a little football, Bulldogs are in action. We'll talk to the coach next. 1460 KX and Owen. Money at Welcome back, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. We're running out of hour. Let's get right to Drakehead football coach Todd Stepsis. The Bulldogs are 2-2. Two and two. Final game of the season, home game, Drake Stadium. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. Presbyterian will be on the other side of the field. Coach Stepsis joins us. Uh, coach Trent Ken, thanks for giving us a few minutes. How are you, how are you and how's the season gone so far playing football in the spring? Is it what you expected? Uh, number one, thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing great. You know, anytime we get a chance to play football, it's, yeah. it's a good day. And so whether it's in the fall or in the spring, um, you know, the, you know, we, we love the sport around here and, you know, whether it's a practice or a game, you know, we're, we're always in a good mood when we're in season. Um, but yeah, things have gone well. You know, I've, I've been asked the question, you know, is it weird, um, yeah. you know, playing in the spring and yes, it is weird, but it's a good weird. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, to, to, you know if, if you were to come out to the game on Saturday and watch us play, like that's the team that you'll see in the fall. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if that ever happens where you bring back all your starters for another season, but that's, that's really um, essentially what we're getting here. And so just the, the opportunity to compete has been phenomenal, but then the opportunity to develop a young team I, I don't know if you can measure that. So it's been really great. Coach, it seems as though the offense was slow to come around early in the season, but maybe came to life a little bit last uh, in their last game against Butler. Uh, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Considering that we scored uh, more points in the Butler game than the previous <laughs> three combined, uh, yeah, I would say that um, we, we found something. And, you know, it really it's, it's a number of factors when you have a young team um, you know, it sometimes takes a little bit of time to get going, especially on offense. You know, offense is a little different than defense. Defense, you, you get lined up and you, you, know, you kind of play with your hair on fire, where offense, you know, there's timing and there's coordination and, and things that just take time. And then, you know, that on top of you know, us trying to figure out, uh, you know, who our personnel is. Um, you know, we were so used to those older guys that were no longer there that it took us as coaches maybe a little bit longer to figure out um, who our best 11 are and, and what can they do and what, you know, do they struggle with and, and get them in position to be successful. And then, you know, our offense, um, and I think it's the way that football is going nowadays is 
the, the quarterback needs to be able to create with his legs. He doesn't need to necessarily be a running back and run him in between the tackles like, you know, the old school Tim Tebow back back in the Florida days. But, um, you know, he's got to be able to extend plays and, and use his legs when teams are, are, are giving us that option. And so, you know, you saw us, uh, you know, kind of the, the light bulb go off, you know, in regards to that, that part of the schematics of, of our, of our offense. And, you know, having having Ian Corwin back in there for you know, even though it was a quarter, was was a spark, and you know that spark you know created a fire and, and a lot of confidence. And man, it, it, I'm excited for Saturday to see uh, if we can improve again. Coach, uh, you guys season finishes on Saturday after the game. Are you guys planning on doing anything more? Can you do anything more as it pertains to a spring practice, getting some more things implemented, or is it going to be as simple as that? You guys will put away the pads and get ready for starting camp in late July, early August. Yeah, you know that, that's a great question. So, um, you know, we're we're, we're going to rest a little bit. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely been um, you know a grind. You know, even though you know there's been some time where we we were apart. Uh, you know, just just mentally, you know, having to. Um, make all of your decisions, everything, you know, on, okay, I got to do everything I can not to get sick and, and, mm-hmm. and infect the team. And so, you know, there's a mental tax that, that comes to that. And, um, you know, to, you know, just to be able to, you know, not only rest our bodies, but then rest our minds as well. So, you know, we're going to give our guys some time off, you know, we're, you know, we're going to, you know, try to still build our bodies and, and recover and, and, and do the things that we need to do to um, to become better players, but you know, we need to we need a little bit of break, um, you know, just from the the grind of of everything. And then you know, Mar- uh, May thirty first is when we'll fire it back up again for summer training. And you know, the the end goal being okay. You know, we we want you with a full tank of gas, ready to go, physically um, fit by then. And you know, we'll give them some ways on on how the, what they need to do to get there. Coach, you got about a minute and a half left. Uh, the team is two and two. Obviously, you'd love to finish on the positive uh, with with the win and uh, with with the winning record. Presbyterian, I look at comparison scores, and I know that's difficult to do, but this looks like it's going to be a pretty uh, a pretty evenly um, even matchup on Saturday. Do you see it that way? Yes, I do. Um, you know, they we've never played them in the history, and so we've been playing football for a long time here. We've never played Presbyterian, and so that'll be kind of fun to play a new opponent, but. Yeah, they're. I, I think they're really a really talented squad. Offensively, they got great skill. Defensively, they have linebackers. You know, I think they're probably the best trio that we've seen. Um, but I think you know them being a South team and in, in, in the Big South, uh, I think skill is kind of the premium down there. And um, we're going to see more speed uh, at the wide receiver and the running back positions. Their quarterback's very elusive and and does things with his legs. And then you know, defensively, all eleven guys can run and hit. So. It's a pretty even matchup. There's some, you know, key things to look for as far as just from a size and speed perspective that be interesting to see how how we handle it. Well, defense has been your calling card this season. That'll be a good test for them uh, as uh, you kick off one o'clock on Saturday, Drake Stadium. It's the final game of the season. Coach, uh, thanks for coming on. Best of luck uh, and congratulations on making it through the season. Here's hoping you can get to three and two and finish with that winning record. Thanks, Coach Stepsis. Appreciate it. All right. Appreciate you guys having me on. Go dogs. Good to talk to you. Coach uh, Todd Stepsis from Drake as they will host Presbyterian. Uh, there are st- still tickets available. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. Is it draketicks.com? Uh, yes, draketicks with an X.com slash football. You can find it right there. Get in the building and 
plenty of room to spread out at Drake Stadium. Indeed there is. With, uh, and the relays are what, the following week? Yes. Jeez. And uh, Drake next year opens up at Montana State and then North Dakota in week two. Interesting. We're going to talk some NFL in hour number two. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.